Hello everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Game Point Pod. My name is Fata, and as always, I got my guy Yazin in the house. What's poppin', bro? Uh, I'm locked up, they won't let me out. They won't let me out. <laughs> That's what I'm feeling, man. This, this is life. Real. Nah, I hear you, man. It just sucks with this whole lockdown restrictions. I didn't expect that being in April 2021, we're still going to be in lockdown. It, it's, it's unreal, to be honest. I just want to shoot a basketball. I can't even do that anymore. I haven't touched a basketball in over a year, man. This is uh, this is getting to be a problem. A little bit. Just a little bit. Maybe you needed to sacrifice your basketball for, for the Knicks' success there. So maybe it's a two-way street. Maybe you, you got to continue just sitting it's at home worth or it. It's worth it. You know, if I have to sit at home and for them to win, I listen, I'm going to hunker down. I'm going to lock myself in my chair. I'm not moving. <laughs> No, nah, I feel you. I mean, for me, I'm kind of in a confused situation right now because I initially thought the Raptors were about to tank, but somehow they're currently in the playing tournament as we speak. The East is really that bad. So hard to tank. I don't know how it's possible. That This playing tournament's actually probably one of my favorite things about this season. Nobody's out of it. Nobody. Like, I don't, like, I don't think anyone is really like statistically eliminated in April, which is kind of surprising because normally by now you kind of know some people are headed to the lottery. Right. And now Washington just came in out of nowhere and they're right. a pretty good contender to be sneaking into that playing tournament. We'll get to all that in, in a bit, but uh, with that said, let's get the show on the road. Will you wait? Hold on one second. I think we got Charles Barkley on the line here. What do you got to say, Charles? That will drop the beat. Whatever you say, Sir Charles. So on this week's segment of Run That, we'll discuss some terrible news that have occurred early last week. Jamal Murray of the Denver Nuggets was hurt as he attempted a layup on Andrew Wiggins. It was feared that a significant injury were to occur. And the following day, it was confirmed that Jamal Murray did suffer a torn ACL and will be out indefinitely ending a season. Very terrible blow to Denver as their aspirations to contend for a championship has now dwindled. With that said, how big of a hit does Murray have on the Denver championship aspirations, Yezin? Oh, gosh, this was so brutal because it happened in like late in the fourth quarter. The game was decided by then, and he goes up for just a layup and just a freak accident. No one touches him. You, you know those non-contact injuries you're like, oh, no, like this can't be good. And as soon as he went up, you saw him clench his knee, and you knew something was bad. It's just it's so, oh, gosh, like. You know, it's it's so sad to see because he's he's killing it. And he had, you know, we've saw him in the bubble just become a new player and really redefine himself. And now he's going to go down for. They have been ruled him out for the the season, which I've kind of found peculiar because normally you'll hear, oh, out for the year, oh, his season. But they just said he's out indefinitely. I can't imagine he's back by the end of this year, uh, by the end of the season. Actually, by the end of the calendar year, probably. But. It's just, it's so, it's, yeah, it's really sad to see because him and Jokic have been playing really well. They're fourth in the West right now, and they just got uh, Aaron Gordon, and, you know, they've been playing really well with him. And to see them uh, lose a superstar like that, it's, 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 it's not fun to watch, man. No, I hear you, especially with, you know, the way he went down and the timing in which he went down. Like you mentioned, it's, nearly towards the end of the season in a blowout. I mean, Mike Malone has to do a better job in understanding that, you know, when it comes to a point where we're in a condensed season where you're playing four games in five nights pretty often, and that's something that's been an anomaly over the years past, and you're trying to compete for a championship, that is something that shouldn't have been done or been in that situation to begin with. So, it sucks that, you know, Jamal Murray was a casualty of circumstance in which, you know, they could have played someone else like a PJ Dozier or like, I don't know, like Monte Morris for that matter. But here's the deal. We're going to end up missing playoff Jamal Murray now. And it's detrimental due to the moves made by the Denver Nuggets front office, you know, bringing in guys like Aaron Gordon and others to strengthen their chances for a title. 
Now that we've heard this news, unfortunately, I do not think that Denver could really recover enough, even with the signing of Austin Rivers. I mean, the flashes of superstardom from Jamal Murray is definitely going to be missed. And I think the one ray of hope for maybe Denver fans or just, you know, the league in general is if there's some kind of miracle, some kind of miracle that Aaron Gordon takes a big part of the scoring that Jamal Murray was capable of, then may, maybe things might stabilize a bit. But as for championship aspirations, things are starting to look bleak. Yeah, no, I mean, listen, you know, I love me some Austin Rivers, but uh, he's he's not he's not going to replace, uh, you know, Jamal Murray's productivity uh, in the least. It, you, you probably have to think that they're going to slide down in that Western Conference rankings. They're too good to start tanking. They're going to make the playoffs uh, at this point, and they should. Uh, Jokic is still an MVP candidate, but in this league, it's hard to get it's hard to get past the, a lot of these teams in the West when you only have one one superstar. And they have a lot of good players. You know, Mike Porter Jr. has been playing well. Uh, Aaron Gordon has been playing well. Uh, you know, Monte Morris is you know has experience from last year too, but you know, Jamal Murray is just a superstar in this league, and he's a he's a scoring threat. He's a bucket, as what as as they call him. Uh, and you know, you'd probably expect them to slide down the standings a little bit. Probably a first round exit, unless and you said Aaron Gordon can 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 carry the load. His game is not meant to to carry the load. He's not meant to really be a 25, 27 point scorer. So it's going to be hard to replace that productivity, and it's unfortunate because we saw them go to the Western Conference Finals last year, and we thought. You know what the sky's the limit, and now again, Mike Malone, what are you doing? Why are you playing your starters? You know, in a in a loss that was definitely out of reach. You know, in the last minute, like pull your guys. I see Tom Thibodeau do this a lot too. Like guys, if a game's over, play your bench, man. There's no you know lessons to be learned. There's nothing like that. Just play your bench, man. Guys need to stay healthy. They got to play a full forty eight minutes. Like don't don't risk it. I, I just it's just bad coaching. Yeah, and considering the season that we're in, it's not like we're playing an 82-game season. We're playing a 72-game season that's very condensed. So, you know, it's definitely a mismanagement on the coaching part, and that ultimately resulted in their championship aspirations dwindling as we speak. So the one the one thing I wanted to mention was obviously Michael Porter Jr. and how he was able to steadily grow over last year's playoffs in the bubble. And now he has the perfect opportunity to kind of put his name out there and be that one-two punch with uh, Nikola Jokic in terms of handling that load and ensuring that he can supplement the scoring piece of it. Because I know Jokic can get his, but with regards to Aaron Gordon as well as Michael Porter Jr., it's going to be up to them to really make up for what playoff Jamal Murray is going to miss. So I, I really thought that the Denver Nuggets were the best team to challenge the Lakers in the West. But now considering that Jamal Murray is out of the picture, I think... I think the Lakers are going to do something, but uh, I guess we're going to have to see in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like I mean, the Lakers aren't. It's funny because the Lakers aren't even the best team in the West, and we're talking about who's going to beat the Lakers. Like they're fourth right now; they're kind of shaking it. Obviously, they have their injuries and everything, uh, but you know, you could definitely have seen Denver put up. You saw the Denver put up a fight against Utah, who is the best team in the league right now, and then they beat them mm-hmm. last year in, in, in the in seven games and. So anything was possible if you put those two teams in the semifinals or even in the Western Conference Finals. But now Denver, unfortunately, is not going to – I don't see Denver being there. It's just one less team in the West. And, and it's really sad because, like, this year, more than any, I mean, it's a very competitive. Like, I, I'm loving the competition out West. Uh, you know, a lot of teams are vying for it. You know, that playing tournament is going to be special out there out West, you know, especially if you get a guy like Steph Curry in the playing tournament. He only needs to win two games. I mean – you know, so the, the the matchups could be very different, you know, from now until then. But not seeing Denver with Jamal Murray uh, definitely, you know, takes away their chances. And I, I don't see them getting out of the first round, unfortunately. Yeah, I guess we're going to have to see that. But let's head on over to our next topic. And to add to the terrible news list, it was reported four days ago that Brooklyn Nets forward LaMarcus Aldridge has announced his retirement due to ongoing heart issues. Unfortunate news for the Brooklyn Nets as they lose a veteran who could provide a spark for the club and has done so in his brief stint with the Brooklyn Nets. Now that he is currently out of the picture, does that change Brooklyn's chances of winning the title? And to me, it definitely hurts their chances, but it doesn't hurt it that much. I still think that as long as the Nets' big three are intact, there's always going to be a great chance. However, 
if there is a series that arises where they are matched up against an elite big like the Joel Embiid's of the world, Giannis, or perhaps in the West with AD and Andre Drummond tandem, it may pose a very big problem. But I am confident that the Nets will shoot their way out of every situation if and only if they are healthy. We already saw KD go down with this left thigh contusion and, you know, he's always in and out of the lineup. You know, Kyrie taking his personal days off, even though he's a brother, respect. Harden, you know, with his, with his injuries as well, they really need to stay healthy in order to keep their chances alive. And to add to the top of that, the market is really dry right now to grab another big. And I wonder if grabbing LaMarcus Aldridge ruined their chances at waiting for Andre Drummond and signing him. And, you know, it could look nice right about now, but the Lakers was able to sweep that up. But, you know, just kind of wrapping it all up, I, I don't think it's going to damage your chances as much as people think. You know, if if a couple of weeks ago we had the all beef episode, I we got to rename this one like the all heartbreak episode, uh, just all injury episode. I don't know. We need to put like a disclaimer or something because here in the market, I'll just I don't I don't know if about you, but I had no idea he had this heart condition, and I don't think a lot of people did. And to hear that he had it since '07, he was drafted that like a year a year prior to '07. Yeah, uh, 06, to hear, yeah. yeah, he was drafted in '06, and and to hear that he's had this his entire career is astonishing this to to hear especially given how well he was uh you know how well he played in portland how well he played in san antonio and it's really sad to see him go uh not on his own terms and he definitely leaves without a championship and listen uh, i always give the nets flack and i always you know celebrate when they lose and things like that but this is not something i'm going to celebrate like losing the marcus aldridge that's it's very it's it's not a great thing for the league it's not a great thing for him we wanted to see him continue playing and he was playing pretty well in, in a limited role there in, uh, in Brooklyn. You, you never celebrate losing a, a guy to injury, even if he's on the team that you, you sort of despise, but what does it do to their chances? It, like you said, it, I don't think it drastically changes it. I think they have much more concerns about keeping their big three healthy than keeping their role players healthy. Uh, their big threes barely played on the court together. And they'll probably end up playing more games in the playoffs together than they did in the regular season, which is it could mean nothing, but it also could be very impactful. You know, like Katie's been hurt for a little bit. Uh, you know, Kyrie's been sort of in and out. Harden's been hurt as well. And how are they going to you know, build that chemistry come playoff time? I think that's more of a concern than their role players. I think role players will kind of, you know, find their way in and I'm sure they'll they'll scour the. Uh, the the waivers to find someone to replace Aldridge and Aldridge didn't really put he probably gave him 15 minutes a game to you know less than that wasn't really scoring much like he, he got his opportunities when he needed to but uh losing him doesn't necessarily drastically change anything I think that what's key for them is to keep their big three healthy because if they're not on the floor together I don't see how how they're going to go as deep as everyone thinks they are yeah and I'm wondering whether you know for example if the Brooklyn Nets can't solve their center problem i mean right now they have deandre jordan on the roster they got claxton on the roster as well and i don't think any of those guys are going to be suitable for the playoff run that brooklyn is expecting to pursue with that being said i wonder if the brooklyn nets will try to go small and perhaps start kevin durant at the five since he's you know he's big enough from a height perspective but obviously when it comes to strength that's not really his forte and i feel like that takes away you know some of the energy which is getting like you know banging down low with these bigs defensively that might result negatively when he's on offense but i don't know if that's something that maybe steve nash you know being an offensive savant as he is try to switch that up and you know kind of pursue that option what do you think that's that's interesting because just looking at the standings now, if, if the playoffs started today and assuming that everyone won their sort of playing game, they'd be matched up against Miami in the first round. And I don't see – and we saw them they, – they played Miami, I think, yesterday, and, and Bam Adebayo hit a game winner. You know, imagine playing Bam Adebayo in the first round and then having to play either Giannis or Clint Capella in the second round and then having to play, you know, Joel Embiid in the, in the, uh, in the Eastern Conference Finals. Like – they're going to be challenged at that center position. DeAndre Jordan is not the player he was before. Nick Claxton is very young. They don't really have a lot of depth behind them. They're, playing small ball could work, but gosh, that's risky because I can't, like, putting Joel Embiid against, you know, KD, with all due respect to KD, 
he does, he's not built for that. You know what I'm saying? That's not his game. Oh, he's a, he's a perimeter guy. You know, no way. Like he's going to get bullied down there. And Bam Adebayo will do the same. And and Capella and and you know Brooke Lopez. I mean, gosh, like big bodies are not going to be good for 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 Durant. Even imagine playing Blake Griffin at the five. I mean, gosh, like that's not. Neither of those are are, are good options for them. So playing a small ball. I mean, it it I can agree with you that that might be the where they go especially given steve nash and his whole seven seconds or less kind of thing uh with d'antoni on the bench as well and you know we're trying to get quick buckets quick buckets but if the game slows down and it's a half court game and you have guys playing in the post they're in trouble guys i i i know everyone is on their high horses about the net they're in trouble because in this game it's it's very surprising to have uh, a big dominate, and we've had a couple bigs dominate here in the NBA landscape, you know, over these last couple of years. And you know, the Nets do not have on the defensive end what it takes to to defend that at all. Yeah, I agree. And even looking at the like the list of available free agents at the center position, it's absolutely terrible. You're better off just sticking with DeAndre Jordan at this point and kind of seeing where things go from that standpoint. But uh, but yeah, it's going to be. Very critical for the Brooklyn Nets Big Three to stay healthy, to even stand a chance to win a championship. So we'll see how things turn out. Yeah, and you know, Lamarcus, you know, thank you for your, uh, you know, your NBA career was definitely cut short. Uh, I definitely thought you had a little more, a little more juice in the tank, and I would have loved to have seen you reunite in in Portland. I thought that was the fit, but obviously, you know, you decided to go to Brooklyn. uh, And yeah, I mean. Are we talking future Hall of Famer for for LaMarcus Aldridge? What do you think? No, I don't think so, to be honest. I don't know if he has the accolades to to even get in. But, I mean, he's going to be one of those good players over the course of, you know, this NBA generation. And like to kind of echo from your points with your thank yous, I, I want to thank LaMarcus Aldridge for back in, I believe it was 2014, where he took a free agency meeting with the Raptors. And that has never heard of over the course of my fandom as a Raptors fan. I mean, for a guy like his caliber to take a meeting with the Toronto Raptors to really pitch as to why he should play for the Toronto Raptors was definitely a big deal for me. I saw it on Real GM, and I was ecstatic. Little did I know that he wasn't even... I think it was more of a courtesy call, if anything, but... They could have drafted him. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, they could (laughs) have. You know, good old Andrea Bregnani, Il Mago, but... (laughs) Could have had him. I don't know what the NBA would look like if they had drafted him, but I mean, hey, he could have been there at some point. Yeah. Gosh, imagine Aldridge and Bosch. Yeah, I I feel like that'd be a little too much, though. Don't you think they'll be clogging up the pain quite a bit? I mean, I I wouldn't know because we put him next to Bargnani, and Bargnani didn't clog up the pain. He just was a pylon out there. He wouldn't. He didn't help Bosch at all. Just saw threes, and yeah. So who knows? But. uh, I, I, I personally cool think that Bragnani. I personally think that Bragnani was literally ten years too late. He'd be a max player in this league, to be honest, in this oh, three point NBA. Okay, interesting. I I I, I like that idea. Take, That's a hot take. <laughs> spicy, spicy meatball. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, let's head on over to our last topic of rundown. I know you all remember the lockdown of last year. Some are currently liberated right now. Some are still in lockdown in 2021, <clears throat> aka us. But anyway. To highlight the lockdown last year was the premiere of the ESPN documentary, The Last Dance, highlighting the career of Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls dynasty. And now, believe it or not, it is the one-year anniversary of its release. We wanted to shed some light on our, some of our favorite moments of Last Dance, as well as figure out which great player will be next to have such a detailed documentary like MJ. So I'm going to kick that over to you, Yazin. Yeah, thank you, MJ, blessing us during last year's... Uh the beginning of the lockdown really and uh having something to talk about that that documentary was not supposed to come out until i think this year actually uh but he had he'd uh yeah, him and espn had pushed it up summer 2021 yeah so they pushed it up because i mean we weren't going anywhere and it was all done anyway and it was so fun to watch like the world really for once a week you know Everyone sat down and watched, and we all discussed it afterwards. And then we we really waited to see what was going to happen next because this is all unseen footage before. None of this was seen before. I don't know what MJ was thinking about in the 90s when he was filming, thinking, you know, maybe in the future I'm going to release something like this. But he had all the, the footage there. He had the interviews there. Such a fun ride, man, to watch, especially for guys like us who are like, 
yeah, we grew up in the 90s. Uh, but, you know, if for some of us, we probably caught MJ at the tail end of his career. I know I probably started watching around maybe his last championship or so, you know, 97, 98. Uh, saw him on the Wizards, too, which is I wish I could forget that. But, you know, watching the Bulls and watching really how crazy of a time that was and how um, incredible of a player Michael Jordan was and transformative in, you know, basketball was was so unbelievably wild. I wish I could, re- I could just probably rewatch it now. Uh, you know, I wish I had sort of erased my memories. I go rewatch it for the first time again. It was so fun to watch and, and, and just understand a little bit more about MJ. He's, he's really become like more than just a player at this point. He's become like a, almost like a, and I, I don't want to say this, but like a deity, you know, like he's, he's so revered that he's like, it's almost like as if he was not human. So yeah, last dance, gosh, it was so, so fun. Do you have any favorite moments that stuck out over the course of the documentary? Oh, man. So <laughs> one of my favorite moments was the fact that they interviewed Isaiah Thomas. I don't know why Isaiah Thomas would agree. <laughs> yep. yep. Why he would agree to doing an MJ documentary. Uh, but when they asked him, why didn't you make Team USA? And he goes, uh, you know, I had all the credentials and, you know, I just don't know. what." We all know why you didn't make the Olympic team. Because Michael Jordan said, I don't want Isaiah Thomas on the Olympic team. So you're not on the Olympic team. It, that's, that's, that's all that was. Everybody knows that. MJ could d- deny it. Isaiah could deny it. The whole world knows he didn't like Isaiah Thomas for good reason. Isaiah Thomas was a, was a rascal back in the day. MJ's like, I don't want him on the team USA. So guess what happens? Mm-hmm. Best player in the world says you don't want a player on the team. He's not on the team. Uh, for me, that was, that was probably one of my peaks. You know, Obviously, there's a lot of other things. Uh, finding out Scottie Pippen's uh, contract uh details back in the day and realizing what it like what the deals are now like this guy signed what was it a nine-year deal or something something no, it's oh, 7 my. 18 i think unbelievable to yeah, think crazy. that you would sign a deal like that well let's be nice yeah. let's be nice we don't have to go there i mean you're not wrong but you didn't have to say it i mean good lord <laughs> You know, when in this NBA, you're making 200 mil and a guy at that caliber to not renegotiate his deal and just stick with it. Like, obviously, he made a lot of money afterwards, but gosh, the amount of money he probably could have made, he probably could have tripled the amount of money he's made that. So those are two moments that stick out for me. What about you? Uh, I had a, I had a couple of favorite moments. Firstly, in the beginning of the documentary, when they kind of painted the picture between MJ and Jerry Krause and his like, unlimited bullying of his own general manager was hilarious because you never ever see that dynamic where an employee would literally troll an employer to the point where he doesn't even get fired himself like you know because he's considered untouchable that mj could get away with a lot of the stuff they said about jerry Krause. so it was so funny to me to kind of see that take its toll also uh, my other favorite moment was a friendly feud between mj and scott burrell in practice the the rook that came in and it's always, you know, sometimes you always see this at a basketball court, whether it's practice or scrimmage, you know, where you have all that friendly trash talk that makes everything competitive and then ultimately brings the best out of you, you know, and that's the one thing I truly admire about MJ over the course of the documentary. Uh, So those are the two favorite moments. As for the next player that would have a similar documentary to MJ, very detailed, I would be ecstatic to see a very detailed documentary regarding the Kobe Shaq 3P era. I mean, there'll be tons of locker room gems, I would assume, considering the type of guy Shaq is, you know. And I'd be looking forward to seeing that. It's just unfortunate that Kobe, God rest his soul, can't speak his piece. But, you know, it'll be fun to see how the Lakers came to be by acquiring Shaq and then kind of moving their way up to, you know, a 3P and then seeing the turmoil after the fact. Yeah, I mean, I... I, I don't know if they had cameras filming that backstage a lot because uh, it's, it seems that, you know, Kobe was, was very much like trying not to be uh, as in the limelight as, you know, as some of these other players, like especially like Shaq. But that would be one that I think I give me a nine part series on that. And I think that there is something in the works uh, regarding that. I'm not sure if it is, but given the, the success of The Last Dance, you're going to see a lot more of these uh, kind of 30 for 30s longer netflix documentaries you know netflix they secured the bag on this one man like everyone was watching the next day and some people were watching it on espn live um you know i would definitely want to see that that three peat 
I, I'd also like to see a little bit about, and I know you're not going to watch this, but like a documentary on, on LeBron James um, and how polarizing he is. And like, you know, there's a lot of things we don't know about LeBron James. LeBron James has become something more than a basketball, more than an athlete, like he says. And to see, you know, the inner workings of LeBron James and what made him who he is and how he got to where he is. Obviously, he's still playing, so we're probably not going to see that for for a while. But, um, you know, a documentary that kind of chronicles his his career. And I would love to see the cameras backstage when, when people were, were clowning him and, you know, when he failed and, like, lost championships. Like, I, I've never really seen his reactions to that. So, you know, or or the even the run against the uh, – Golden State Warriors when they won the championship that alone I would I would watch a whole document mm-hmm. documentary series on that just one season because it was just so insane to watch so I'd love to see you know the uh, the Lakers the Kobe three peat uh, with Shaq you know and just give me any sort of backstage like uh, insight onto these players' lives like we we just see them on the court uh, for four quarters and then we kind of see them on Twitter here and there and. But that's it. Like, I want to see what goes into being an athlete, you know, what become what goes into being a professional and especially at their level. So give me either of those. Yeah, I don't mind a LeBron James documentary. I just want to skip over the LeBronto part. <laughs> Why is that one on repeat? <laughs> oh, my God. Brutal. Forget that clown. Anyway, let's uh, wrap up Rundat. Let's head on over to AO Moment of the Week. AO, what the f- my AO moment of the week took an odd turn in the last 24 hours. Originally, I watched the one-minute clip yesterday, and it was K- the KD interview with Gilly the King, where he was asked to name his top five players he has ever played with. And, you know, KD mentioned Kyrie, Harden, Steph, Clay, And then stumped by an awkward silence and mentioned Serge Ibaka. What the hell? Mind you, Serge is my guy, right? Former Raptor, champion, you know, Mafuzi chef, whatever you name it, you you call it. But (laughs) to name him top five is hilarious, firstly. But then he got checked by the host and some of the guys there and added Russell Westbrook, who he accidentally, quote unquote, forgot. Come on now. Like, you can't tell me you forgot the guy who caused you to leave OKC to join a team that you blew a 3-1 series lead to as well as being a 73-9 and team. I call BS on it, on that forgetful moment. So after I saw the whole interview, by the way, it showed that he did include it. So I'm going to leave it at that. Is there anything you want to add before I go to my actual AO moment of the week? Uh, I mean, well, Katie's going to be on my AO moment of the week. But uh, yeah, I like, listen, I, I get you love Serge Ibaka. Uh, and he's probably a really good friend of his. But I'm... KD's played with a lot of really good players. I mean, like a lot of really good players. Uh, so, you know, maybe it was just that he thought of his friends first. Uh, and he left Draymond off that, uh, you know, and, and I put Draymond over, you know, Serge Ibaka. But, uh, you know, yeah, Russell Westbrook definitely had to have been on there. I'm surprised that I was even a, a mental lapse there. But uh, that's, yeah, definitely an AO moment. Yeah, so my my actual AO moment of the week was actually reflective of my game of the week last week, which featured the showdown between the Mavs and the Grizzlies, where Luka Magic, a.k.a. Luka Dantich, being virtually double-teamed as he catches the ball from the inbound play on the last play of the game, not only goes around the defender, but he shoots a circus three-point shot, not only at the buzzer, but to win the game. So epic. Like, I'm starting to run out of words to describe Luca's greatness. And I repeat, he just turned 22. 22 years young. Just wow. This guy's going to be a bona fide superstar, if not already. And that was a that was one of the craziest shots I've seen to win the game thus far. Oh, it was brutal to watch because I'm obviously rooting for the Mavericks to lose because they we hold their first-round pick. And to see him, like, first off... Uh, how how do you let how do you let him get a shot off like that? Secondly, I mean, how do you defend it? You can't you can't really defend it. So it's kind of a mixed bag there. Uh, Luka Doncic is is a dang wizard. He's a magician, uh, and it, it's you know it's really fun to watch him play. And like I've always said, Luka Doncic plays the game in slow motion, and the fact that guys can't stop him is even more of a testament to his skill because he doesn't. 
He doesn't have blaring, you know, speed, you know, going up and down the court. He's not a superhuman strength. He doesn't have the biggest vertical, but he he slows the game down and it, his dribbles look like they take 5 seconds longer than the average dribble. And yet he cooks guys. And I'm sure that infuriates him to see this, you know, Slavic 22-year-old basketball player come in and just rope-a-dope him. You may, you know, lull them in and hit these ridiculous shots and average almost a triple-double. So uh, shout-out to Luca for, for being just an incredible, incredible basketball player. He's not a great athlete, but sometimes in this league, you, you need to be – he has the skills. He doesn't necessarily have all the physical attributes, but – when you have the skills, it sometimes is undeniable. Yeah, but, no uh, doubt. My uh, my AO moment of the week kind of goes to KD too, and it goes to the uh, the KD versus Shannon Sharp uh, feud again. Common theme here in on this podcast: KD fights people. Okay, KD just likes talking. He gets his burner accounts. He just likes causing trouble. So he just literally finished off with his little scrap that cost him fifty thousand with Michael Rappaport, and now he's going after Shannon Sharp. But I will say this, Shannon Sharp, you were in the wrong, Unc. All right, it was you. You he, he shared a, a quote that was uh, misattributed or or misspoken out of turn. Uh, it was fake, you know, I think. It was fake. Yeah, fully. Like it wasn't. Katie did not say what he said. Uh, and Shannon Sharp goes on TV and 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 kind of repeats it. And it's like you need to do a better job as a journalist, as a sportscaster, as an anchor, whatever, to make sure that. When you say something, it's true. It's factual. Here we are on the podcast. We have tabs open. We have our phones open. We check stats. We don't want to talk as if we know something and it's wrong. Okay, We don't want to be wrong. And you're on FS1. You're making an exorbitant amount of money. You got to be correct. And then, you know, Katie checked him on. He said, listen, Unc, you know, like, you can't. I didn't say that. You can't say that I said that. Like, come ask me. And Shannon Sharp's like, oh, you know, you, just, you can just talk to me in, in private. We don't got to air this out on Twitter. No, like, air it out on Twitter, man. Good on, good on KD for, for calling him out because, listen, you got to do your job, man. Like, you are on FS1. You got to talk. Uh, you got to provide commentary to things that actually happened or actually were said. You know, don't try and get ratings on something that wasn't said. Do facts check, man. We've all been students before. We got a site, you know. We gotta double check our, our our sources. Check your sources, man. No, I think I think it's the fact that Shannon Sharp is so blinded by his bronze sexualism that he just would not think that he would be in the wrong and that with that fabricated quote. And Katie checked him in, and rightfully so. If someone were to slander my name over something that was completely fabricated yo you're getting checked simple as that so kudos to kd again a lot of people may not like the fact that he intervenes in every situation where you know a typical superstar would not but i kind of like that side because it shows that superstars are reading everything that they see and he's a perfect example of responding to everything that he hears so i kind of like to see that spice up my twitter timeline and keep it going, man. You know, obviously you're in New, you're in New York, so the the media there is out of control. So it just gives us content as NBA fans. So also, I mean, who's does anyone still watch Undisputed? I mean, those two guys are the like the worst when it comes to 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 sports takes. You have Skip Bayless, who has his favorite players, and he's an he's a full. Spurs fan, but not really because they're not that great. So he's actually a Kawhi fan, even though he hated Kawhi and didn't call him Kawhi for the longest time. And then he's also a Brady fan, but he's really a Cowboys fan. And then you have Shannon Sharp, who's a Lakers guy through and through. And I don't even know if he's a Lakers guy. He's more of a LeBron guy. And like the, their conversations are so just infuriating to listen to sometimes. And it's like, it's funny. It's enjoyable. But gosh, you couldn't have get two people who are a little smarter, you know, and, and, and a little less biased, uh, you know, on there. Like, listen, if I, if we, if you and I were on FS1, all right, I'd have to put my biases aside a little bit. Okay. Just a little bit. Right. If it, if it got in the way of, of facts, you know, so I'm definitely not, you wouldn't, you wouldn't. Okay. Here no we chance. Go. This is a, we're never getting this signed is, to FS1. This, this is point. content, bro. Yo, we, we need content. That's why I rate, skip bayless a bit because the narrative always changes with this guy if he gets checked 
for something that he said that was completely wrong, he would literally pivot his argument to something 10 times as outrageous. So it's just so funny to me to see how he scrambles. And, you know, he always goes back to his classic quote, you know, the chosen one became the frozen one. You know it and I know it. You know, all the same cliche situations. He always talks, he always reverts back to, you know, the 2011 meltdown uh, with, you know, LeBron versus the, the Mavericks. And then, you know, when you have guys like Shaq and TNT always reverting back to their rings. Yeah, it's dumb, but it's just so funny from a content perspective, you know? Like, it's just, it shows how petty they are. And again, I think they're just doing it for the money and for the views. So I don't really take FS1 Undisputed to be a source of my sports takes, but it's just more so of a, a, a comedic relief, to say the least. I mean, I, if, if anyone watches, I watch it just to hear Skip or Shannon Sharp talk about you know his his uh, his henny and his mild and his lax gummies and just all that dumb stuff. I think we that need to no move problem. Lonzo. That ain't no problem. Huh? That ain't no problem. Well, but not actually listen to what he talks about when it comes to sports takes because those two guys, they, their their sports takes are just outrageous. I mean, like I said, we had. I know this is a basketball podcast, but we had Skip Bayless talking about how Tom Brady was statistically better than Patrick Mahomes and all this stuff. Dude, come on, man. Like, you know, sometimes the stats kind of go over the biases just a little bit, just a little bit. But, I mean, that's my moment of the week. Just you know, another feud for KD. <laughs> yeah, shocking, right? But with that said, though, if you're looking for very accurate sports takes, you know where to find us right here at Game Point Pod. You're already here. You know the vibes. All right, that wraps up AMO of the week. Let's head on over to Games of the Week. I love this game! <laughs> My Games of the Week features the Phoenix Suns visiting the Philadelphia 76ers on Wednesday, April 21st. We got the trio of Chris Paul, Booker, and Ayton as they come in hot to take on the Beast of the East, Joel Embiid, who has been playing out of his goddamn mind. The stakes are high for both teams as the 76ers try to keep their narrow lead on the Brooklyn Nets in the top of the East, as well as Phoenix try to do the same thing in getting closer to securing the second seed in the West. Should be in for a good one. How about you, Yazin? What's your game of the week? You disappoint me. You know that? You disappoint me. I thought, I thought more of you. How is your game of the week not Saturday, April 24th, Raptors versus Knicks? That is the game of the week. That's the oh, only man. game of the week. Part three of this duel. You know, we're one and one. How is that not the game of the week? Everyone knows that that's the game of the week. That's the only one I have circled on you my calendar. Why? why? Why is that? I don't want to think about double dribble. I just don't want to think about that right now. He has a you chance know, to I'm, redeem I'm already himself. Still, I'm already still mourning all that loss, man. We had that game. But anyway... Uh, you know, I mean, that's that's definitely a, a very intriguing game. Obviously, it depends on, you know, the, the way the Raptors are right now. They're 10th in the in the play-in tournament. And I think they play Brooklyn on Wednesday. So it really depends how things go. If they, if they play well and somehow secure the W, that Saturday game is going to be even crazier. The stakes will be ultra high because obviously, you know, the Knicks are riding a, a pretty good win streak right now. Was it six in a row? Six, 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 six. Yeah, yeah, six in a row, unfortunately. So we're looking to scratch that and hopefully end that off at either six or hopefully no one else ends it before that. But I want to be able to take that opportunity to do so and then talk about it on the pod next week. Oh, yeah. Tune in, guys. Part three. Let's go. <laughs> That's the game of the week. We should live stream that game. I wish we were in the same city so we could watch it together. But, man, like this is we're, we're getting. Oh, gosh, we're getting so close to it, man. Like any time, the, all these games are so important. So six-game winning streak right now. I think uh, the Knicks have Charlotte coming up uh, and then one more. That before. should be a good game. For that the, should for be the, a good the, game. The stakes are pretty high, especially with Charlotte. I think they're kind of slipping down the, the standings. I don't know so. how they're still winning without LaMelo. They, are, they, they just mollywopped the, the Portland Trailblazers. It's, you know, they're, they're continuing to win. Miles Bridges is playing out of his mind right now. So, my yeah. mind is blown. My mind is blown. <laughs> exactly. That PA announcer needs a raise. My goodness. That's going to be a good one. And then, yeah, and then, then they play uh, the Raptors on Saturday. So it's getting close, man. This is All these games are so important with this play-in game. Like you said, Washington is coming up the rear there, 10th, 11th place. So, gosh, like I don't know how many weeks we have left in the season, but every game is so critical. My blood pressure has been through the roof. Yeah, no kidding. And also, just looking at the 
the games for tonight too. The Bulls are playing the Celtics. That's a critical game too. Man, like, yeah, this tail end of the season is going to be absolute bloodbath, so should be solid. Absolutely. All right, so that's Games of the Week. Let's head on over to Blog Boy Talk. So all your blog boys and fanboys that's going to use everything I say and create an article, yeah. watch a basketball game. How about you write that? So we got two questions for our Blog Boy Talk segment. Our first question is... The last team to win a championship with no bona fide superstar was the 04 Pistons. Do you think that it's still feasible in today's NBA? How do you think that team would fare today? And lastly, which team in today's NBA reminds you the most of them and do they have a real shot? So that's a very uh, interesting question. I can probably start off with the superstar talk. I firmly believe in today's NBA that you not only need one bona fide superstar, you might need two. Obviously, the anomaly in which, you know, for example, the 2019 Toronto Raptors where they had a bonafide superstar, but then they had a very good supporting cast, was able to sneak in a ring in between a couple of, um, you know, potential dynasties in, you know, the Golden State Warriors and obviously that Cavaliers ring of 2016. I still think in today's NBA, you're going to need at least two, maybe one bonafide superstar and, you know, a good supporting cast in order to have a good chance to win in today's NBA. What do you think, Yazin? Do you think that uh, with regards to the superstardom? Yeah, uh, this is a great question because uh, I've, I've thought about this a lot. And obviously the 4 Pistons beating the, the the stacked Lakers team of Shaq, Kobe, and of course they had, they had signed Gary Payton and, and Carl Malone. And that was the sort of the, the precipice of a super team really there in LA. And it, it, it didn't happen. But uh, I do agree with you that this NBA is so different. And there's a reason. It's kind of hard to compare the 04 Detroit Pistons with this era because if you look at it, and, and you know, me and my boy Scotty, we, we did this uh, a couple weeks ago where we had looked at like past drafts, right? We just looked at first rounders and who's still there and who we recognize. And you realize that that sort of, you know, mid to late 2000s run of drafts, not that great. Like, honestly, like, you had a couple gems here and there. Obviously, you had the loaded 03 draft. 04, you had a couple guys. 05, you had a couple guys. Nowadays, like, your drafts, each each draft, you're, you're going to find at least, you know, you could find up to, like, five all-stars, a couple all-NBA guys, a couple all-stars, you mm-hmm. know? Like, it's it, the, the talent has changed so much over the last couple of years that now I think there are too many superstars around. For you to not be able to for you for you to be able to win a championship without one, uh, there's just too many. Think of every team in the league right now; almost all of them have or had an all star on their team this year. You know, some of them, like you know, you could probably look at like Detroit right now and and Orlando, who are kind of at the bottom, but they don't really have anyone discernible. You know, all all NBA guys, but every single team has one kind of guy you can look at and be like. That's a star. He's a former All NBA guy. He's a he's an All Star or a former All Star, you know. And and in '04, you you didn't have that. You had like a very, you know, close knit group of superstars, and some of them were on the same team, and some of them were 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 very dispersed, and that's what caused that competition between the end of that Lakers dynasty all the way until maybe that Heat that first Heat championship dynasty, where you know you kind of had teams win here and there and, and, and different guys win and there's a lot of competition and you saw the Celtics, you know, guys teamed up. So this this day and age, no, I think you need a superstar. I think you need at least one. I, you know, the Raptors did it with one. I don't know if you're going to consider Pascal at that point, but he, I, I wouldn't. I'd probably say the year after is when or he became Lowry. an all, you know, yeah, or Lowry, yeah. But, um, you know, you need at least one superstar. And now, yeah, you, you probably need a second, you know, at least, or and, and some good role players. That that old four Pistons team right now will get drubbed, man. We get absolutely drubbed. Yeah, and I think the reason why this question probably came to be is like you think of a team like the Utah Jazz, who is a very great team overall, but they don't really have a bona fide superstar. They have a couple all stars. You know, stop that. Stop. Donovan Mitchell, Donovan Mitchell is a is a superstar. Stop. He's not a super. No, no, he's not a superstar. Stop. He's a star. Are you kidding he's me? A, he's a star. Yes, he's an all star, but he's not a superstar. Oh my! God. I don't think he's, he's a, a superstar. You don't think he's a top twenty player in the NBA right now? Ah, uh, he hundred percent is. I don't know. 
Hundred percent, he is. Like the fact that you had yeah, sure, to even sure, pop sure, sure. even 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 if he is, I don't know. It, it just man, I nah. Like for me personally, I take I take Devin Booker over okay. over Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, that doesn't take away Donovan from Donovan Mitchell. Mitchell. But but no, I'm, I'm saying Booker's not a superstar though. He's a yes, star. Yes, oh, Booker's a superstar. How many superstars Bro, do you I, have? Are, are you are you are you have like two superstars? superstars? <laughs> no, 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 no. I think you liquidated the, the term superstar only to fit Julius Randle in there, okay? <laughs> <laughs> a superstar to me is like someone who could ha- who have the skill set to lead a team to a championship, and I don't see Donovan Mitchell being that guy. I see a guy like, for example, LeBron, KD, Kyrie, Harden, you know, Luka Doncic. I'll take Jason Tatum as a superstar, to be honest. Like, those are guys I could see that could potentially lead a team to a championship, but I, I just don't see it in Donovan Mitchell. Like, he's a good player, yes. He's, he's going to be an, a perennial all-star. But Steph Curry is a superstar. Like, Damon Lillard is a superstar. It's just like, I, I just don't see Donovan Mitchell in that same limelight. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I don't know. But um, maybe we pull a poll out there. I Oh, man. That's, that's, that's a hot take for you. I think... I think Donovan Mitchell absolutely is a superstar. I think Devin Booker is a superstar. I think you you said Damian Lillard there. Damian Lillard hasn't gotten his team to the Western Conference Finals yet. And how, how and you're going to consider him a superstar, but you're not going to consider I can tell you right now if you switch teams. If you if if you switch Damian Lillard with Donovan Mitchell on the respective squads, Utah's going to be a problem. Even more of a problem than they are right now. Are of course. You, are you crazy? Of course. That's what I'm saying. So I, I'd probably but, say but, Portland but why, is going to be why just is as that? good. But why is that though? But why is that? It's Maybe because fit? Damian Lillard is a superstar. It's 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 levels. There's levels. Oh to my! We need we need a tier system then. Like you probably you have like sure, five guys of superstars sure. right now. Yeah, bro. There's only a small number of superstars, and there's a lot of stars. Like that's how I see it. Like superstars is a different breed. Like you're you're putting them in the same category as a Giannis, Joel Embiid, LeBron, AD, like Harden, like Luca. It's just but like a lot of these guys haven't haven't led their teams to a championship either. Is that, no, is but that they have, no, they have no listen, no, they have the capability. They they will have the capability and the skills to lead the championship. Right? And frankly, Donovan Mitchell doesn't fit that script for me. I don't know. I guess we're just gonna have to let the listeners decide. Oh man, Booker and Mitchell. Uh, I, I come on, man. You gotta give it to them. You gotta give it. But back, back, back to the question. Yes, you need a superstar in this day and age. You need a go-to guy. You need probably more than one at this point. Uh, the last team to probably get close to that, like we like we talk about the, the the Raptors, and probably even before that, you have the the Mavericks, who it was Dirk and then just a bunch of aging guys, but. Maybe a little bit of an anomaly, you know. Maybe they had, you know, luck on their side, or 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 they really meshed well together. But nowadays, yeah, you need one guy, you need two guys. Some teams think you need three guys. I don't know. And as we've seen lately, with the you know with the stockpiling of of, of talent, yeah, you you can't win it without an all NBA guy or an, or an all star or someone who's been in that position recently. You know. Right. Yeah. Definitely no shot. You definitely need some star power. In order to at least have somewhat of a fighter's chance to win a championship in today's NBA. So, all right, let's head on over to the second question. The Raptors are fined $25,000 for resting players that are not reported on the injury report, aka tanking. <laughs> Why are they in desperation mode for a draft pick? So, I don't know, to be honest, you know, they haven't shown much promise with regards to how much success they'll yield if they were to go into the playoffs. Which is why I can see why they're taking a quote-unquote tanking approach and resting some of these players who do not have a significant injury or at least an injury enough to keep them off the court. I think they just kind of played around with the technicalities of things and allowed the younger players to play. But the younger players are winning games. So I don't know what direction this Raptors team is taking. I'm not sure if Masai is already in 3-2-1 Cancun mode. Like with his, you know, upcoming contract expiring. I don't know if it's a situation where he's on his way out. I'm not entirely sure. The Raptors are in kind of a no man's land, as like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, they're 10th in the East, which uh, if everything started today, the playoffs were to start today, they would be in the playing tournament. But they are not too far off from the top four pick in the NBA draft. So I know it's going to be tough. I feel like they should be in desperation mode for a draft pick, but part of me wants to see one last playoff push 
even though they're going to be flaming out of the playoffs probably in the first round. Um, yeah, I have no clue. The Raptors haven't showed a clear direction as what situation they'll take with this franchise, but I guess we're just going to have to wait and see. Yeah, uh, I'm going to take the second part of that question. Why Why would they tank? This uh, This 2021 draft is actually pretty pretty loaded um at least at the, at the top half you had guys like Kate Cunningham uh, who declared Jalen Suggs today who declared uh who you know the the, the hero of Gonzaga you have uh, Evan Mobley uh out of um out of USC you have uh, Jalen Johnson from Duke Jalen Green uh from the G League you have Jonathan Kuminga there's a lot of really good talented young guys who are uh who are probably going to be at that top half of the uh, of the lottery and you know why they would because you're you're a team that's headed in the wrong direction you're you're coming off a championship two years ago and you know that has faded uh you know you have some pieces you re-sign some guys and you have a lot of guys who are getting older you have Kyle Lowry who's getting older uh you know and you have just some bits and pieces here so I can see if they would want to tank it would make sense because you have a couple star-studded point guards who can lead that team uh, you know, in the future, and you have uh, a couple big guys like I'm, I mean, Mobley and, and and Siakam would really be a great duo. Cunningham and and, and Siakam, Cunningham and Van Vliet, Suggs as well. Kuminga is a four, kind of could play the three. Jalen Johnson can play the three. There's a lot of good, talented young guys uh, in this draft, and uh, you know, if they lose in the play-in tournament, hey, you know what? Gives them a chance at the lottery. Probably not the greatest chance in the lottery because they'll be one of the, like the the teams with the the lowest probability. But that's why they would tank uh, because sometimes you just need to understand that the talent is there and you need to go grab it and you know maybe you cut your losses. So I know you know you guys love you know to compete uh, and and Masai is not going to just and, and Nick Nurse are not just going to lay down and 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 blow it up uh they're gonna always try to compete and figure it out and retool but this would be a good year to not make the playoffs uh and and to be at the top half of the lottery yeah i agree i mean it's been a while since i had this feeling of you know the raptors free falling down the standings and ultimately being eligible for a lottery pick so part of me is excited about that a part of me wants to see a final playoff push to kind of give that salute to kyle lowry for her services in toronto so I'm kind of interested to see what kind of direction the Raptors uh, management will take. And I guess we'll probably see by Saturday <laughs> against the Knicks. I, w- I should know whether we're going to be in the playing tournament or looking at the lottery. So. We can help you. We can help you out with that. We can push you in the right direction. We can push you towards that lottery. Just let me know. I'll, I'll make a call. Boy, if, if the Raptors end up winning Saturday, oh, you guys are going to hear from me on Monday, bro. Take oh, that God. in. I, I might have to day, I, I might have to take the day off uh, on that day. Uh, you might have to find a <laughs> fill in. <laughs> you might have to make up that day for fasting, bro. Straight up. Yeah, uh, yeah. You might have. You might force me to break my fast <laughs> on, on air. <laughs> All right. So uh, let's wrap up Blogboy Talk, and that wraps up our episode. Thanks again for tuning in. Don't forget to like, subscribe to our podcast, Game Point Pod on IG and Game Point Pod underscore on Twitter. We are both on Spotify and Apple platforms, as well as Google Podcasts. Add review if you can. That will be greatly appreciated. With that said, do you have anything else you want to add, Yazin, before we take off? Player of the week, Julius Randle. I, I don't say I didn't tell you guys. Don't say I didn't tell you guys. I'll see you on Saturday. Oh, boy. That's going to be one hell of a matchup. We'll end it off. That's game. <laughs>